With Hashem's assistance, we are learning Baba Metziah, Daf Hay, page 5. We begin on the very top of the page. Let's remind ourselves we're speaking about the concept of Halach. Halach is where you have Ruvain. Ruvain says to Shimon, you owe me $100. Shimon says, $100? I don't know what you're talking about. $50? That's how much I borrowed. There's $50 in my house. I didn't even touch the money. It never left your possession. Take your money as is. So in such a case, we have an argument between Rabbi Chia and Rabbi Sheshis whether or not, in order to get out of paying the rest of the claim, whether he has to swear about that money. And the way that we said, that we explained, that, that we could understand this is, according to Rabbi Chia, he has to swear about the rest, because it's considered like a standard case where I made a claim against you, you denied part of it, you have to swear about the rest. Rav Shishas holds no. It's not considered a standard case, and the reason is because since the money never left the possession of the person who was lending the money, so it's not considered that there's even a claim about that money. That money was never lent, in, in fact. And therefore, what's the claim? The claim is only on the second half of the money. And that part of the money, so the person who's being claimed against, is denying completely. And we have a concept that when you deny something completely, you're not being modeb, it makes us, you're not admitting to part of it, so you don't have to swear, because it's just your word against the other person's word, and there's no admission. So now the Gemara challenges Rav Sheshes, and it says like this, according to the one who says that in such a case, there's no obligation to swear about the part that's being denied, why is it necessary that the Torah teaches us that in regards to a piece of land, you don't have to swear? Why do we need a verse to teach us this? Every single time we have a case of land, or at least the Gemara thinks this in the Havamina, at the first stage, so every time you have a piece of land, it's considered like Halech, it's considered like you're saying, take your thing as is, because of a piece of land is always there in front of us. For example, let's say Ruven says to Shimon, you borrowed X and Y pieces of land. Shimon responds and says, I borrowed X piece of land, but I didn't borrow Y piece of land. So it's like he said to him, Halech, take your piece of land as is, because the piece of land is always there, like we said. So why do we need a verse to tell you that you don't need to swear about the other part? According to Rav Sheshes, it's posture, it's simple, it's obvious. We shouldn't need a verse to teach us that. Amar Lecha, so he'll respond and say like this, it's Trichkra. We do need a verse, where he's not saying, take your thing as is. And the reason is because he made holes in that piece of land. He's not returning it. Ruvain says to him, you borrowed X and Y piece of land. He says, X, I did borrow. And we look and we see the piece of land has holes in it. So he's not saying, Halech, take it back as is, the way I borrowed it. Because it's not as is. There are holes in it now. So not to say in such a case that there's no obligation to swear on the other piece of land, that wouldn't be true according to Rav Sheshis alone. That's why we need a verse in order to teach us that even in such a case, there's never going to be a swear that's going to involve a piece of land. Inami, another possible terror, another possible explanation. You can have another case that's not similar to Rav Sheshis' case. For example, you have Ruven coming and saying to Shimon, you borrowed my utensils as well as my piece of land. And now Shimon says, no, all I did was I borrowed your utensils, not your piece of land. So in such a case, there's no denial at all in regards to the piece of land, and therefore there's no halach. There's no statement of take your thing as is. So in such a case, how would we know that there's no obligation to swear? So that's why we need the verse to tell you that even in such a case, since it involves land, there's no obligation to swear. That's what the verse is coming to teach us. Toshima. The Gemara brings another case which is relevant to our discussion. The Tani Rami Barchama. The following brayse was said over by Rami Barchama. Arba Shemim. There are four cases of guardians. Tzrichin Kfiru B'Mixos Vaydo B'Mixos that require partial denial and partial admission. So Rashi explains the case as follows. We're going to see that there are three different types or four different types of guardians that we're talking about here. One type is a Shomer Chinam, someone who's watching something without getting paid. One is a Shomer Sachar, someone who's watching it by getting paid.
and there's a shoel, someone who's borrowing it. So these three different people have three different circumstances where they have no obligation to pay. A Shomar Chinam, someone who's not getting paid to watch it, so he's no obligation to pay if it got stolen. Shomar Sachar, someone who's getting paid to watch it, has no obligation only if something happened that was completely out of his control. And a person who's a borrower, a shoel, so he has no obligation only if the animal died while it was doing its normal type of work. So now if a person wants to make such a claim, so it also has to involve a kfira, a denial completely, a haida, an admission completely, as well as this claim. So how can you have that in one animal? Rashi says you can't have that in one animal. In fact, we're talking about a case where the claimant is saying, I give you three different animals to watch. And the person who's supposed to be watching it says, three different animals, one of them, I don't know what you're talking about. He completely denies one animal. The second animal he admits to. And the third animal, he says, I have no obligation to pay for it because if, it, if he's a shomer chinam, if he's not getting paid, so he's no obligation to pay because he got stolen, etc. through each of them. Now the rest continues. These four cases are shomer chinam, someone who's not getting paid, v'hashel, someone who borrows, neisei sachar, someone who is getting paid, v'hasechar, and someone who rents. And a renter and a person who's getting paid, they're on the same level, they have the same type of tour, they have the same case where they wouldn't have an obligation. And that is where the animal, something happened to it that was completely out of their control. So now, hechi dummy, what's the case? Lav damar lehelech. In regards to the animal that he's admitting about, so he's saying, take your animal as is. So this would be a proof that even if you're saying helech, take your animal as is, so you still will swear on the animal that you're trying to get out of having to pay for. So this seems to be a proof to Rabbi Chia and a question on Rav Sheshes. Sigmar says, no, that's not the case. The claimant is saying there are three animals that I gave to you, and they have all died as a result of your negligence. And the guardian responds and says, he says, the first animal that you're talking about never happened. I only took two animals. One of them died through no fault of my own, completely not my negligence. And in fact, one of them I admit to, in fact, it died because of my negligence. I have to pay you. In such a case, he's not saying to him, take your animal as is. So therefore, since he's not saying that, so Rav Sheshis will admit that, in such a case, you do swear about the rest. It's considered like you're you're admitting partially, and therefore you'll have to swear about the rest. Toshima, come in here. We have the following brisa, which was stated by the father of Rabbi Aptariki. And it's a question the Rabbi Chia Kamaisa on the first statement of Rabbi Chia. Now let's remember we had two different statements. The first one was that if someone is claiming against another person, Ruven comes to Shimon says, You owe me $100. Shimon says, I don't owe you anything. Then we have two witnesses that come and say that indeed there was $50 that Shimon does owe to Ruven. We know that for a fact. So on the remainder of the claim, so Shimon, we said, according to Rabbi Chia, will have to swear in order to not have to pay that part. So the following price is actually going to be a question on that. It says like this, Ruvain says to Shimon, you have $100 that you owe me. And Shimon responds and says, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't owe you anything. And the witnesses are saying that indeed Shimon has $50 that belongs to Ruvain. You might think that he would have to swear on the rest in order to not have to pay. Talmud Lomar, that's what the verse says. The verse says in regards to a person's admission, it says that when a person admits, so then he has to, then he has to swear about the rest. So here the Brisa makes a diuk, an inference, and says, only in regards to someone admitting on his own, only there's an obligation to swear if he doesn't want to have to pay the rest. And here the Brisa says, but there's no obligation if the admitting, the admission, so to speak, is coming because of two witnesses. If two witnesses are saying that he owes part of that money, there's no obligation for him to swear upon the rest. 
So here this Brisa is making an explicit inference, not like Rabbi Chia. So Gemara says, hold on a second. You're asking from a Brisa on Rabbi Chia? Rabbi Chia Tanahu Upalig. Rabbi Chia wasn't one of the sages of the Gemara, rather he was a sage of the previous generation, of the Mishnahs, of the Brisas. And therefore he has the right to argue on that Brisa. The Gemara says, wait a second, the Brisa brings a verse to learn this out. What does Rabbi Chia do with that verse? Why doesn't he make that inference? So the Gemara answers, Ahu He holds that that verse actually teaches us the concept itself. Meaning, Rabbi Chia holds, when can we learn out from a verse to tell us that it's only in that case to make an inference? It's only in that case, but not in a different case where there's two witnesses. Only in the case where a person himself admits. Only there does he have to swear about the rest. So, when do we say that? Only if the verse is extra. You can only make an inference and learn it out if the verse is extra. But if we need the verse to teach us the concept itself, we can't make any inferences to teach us by a different case. So therefore he holds, since we need the verse for itself, therefore you can't learn it out to something else. What about the father of Rabbi Abtariki? So he brought this b'risa, he had this verse. How does he understand it if the verse is not extra? Amar will respond as follows. The verse says two things, and one of them is extra. The verse could have just said, Ki hu. A person is admitting, he's saying, that's it. Why does it have to say, that's it, this? What's ki hu zeh? What is the extra word zeh? Chad lemoide makes a satayna. One is coming to teach us the concept itself, that when a person admits, so there's an obligation to swear on the rest. V'chad lados eidim the potter. The extra word zeh teaches us that if witnesses come and they tell us this, there's going to be no obligation. It's going to exclude that case. V'idach, so what does Rabbi Chia do? It does have an extra word. How does he learn out that extra word? Chad lemoide makes a satayna. V'chad lemoide min hatayna. It's actually teaching us two concepts in regards to someone who's admitting. One is that when I admit, so I have to swear about the rest. But there's another case where I admit where I don't have to swear about the rest. For example, let's say Ruven says that, Shimon, you have borrowed $100 worth of wheat. Shimon says, I don't know what you're talking about. I borrowed only $50 worth, and it wasn't even wheat, it was barley. So in such a case, since he's not admitting to the same thing that the claimant is claiming, so therefore there's no obligation to swear on the rest, and there's no obligation for him to actually pay the rest either. V'idach, and the father of Rabbi Abtariki, so what does he do with that? He doesn't hold that in such a case there will be no obligation to swear. He would hold that in fact, where you admitted to part of it, you still have to swear on the rest. We learned in a Mishnah, If the claimant claims wheat, and the person who's admitting only admits partially to barley, there's no obligation to swear about the rest. Rabbi Gamliel says, no, there is an obligation to swear about the rest, and the father of Rabbi Abtariki holds like Rabbi Gamliel, and therefore the word Zeh is extra, and therefore he learns it out to exclude two witnesses. Then in the case of two witnesses that came, they're creating an obligation on part of the claim. They don't have the ability to cause a swear on the rest of the claim. The Gemara continues, There was a certain shepherd, that they would give over the sheep to him, and they would do it in front of witnesses every day. One day, they gave it to him without witnesses. In the end of the day, he said to the people who had given him over the animals, I don't know what you're talking about, you didn't give me any animals today. Two witnesses came and said that in fact they saw that this shepherd had taken or consumed two of those animals. So here we have two witnesses, it's a similar case to the Rabbi Chia, the first Rabbi Chia, which we just were speaking about, where you have two witnesses coming and forcing a type of confession upon him in regards to two of the animals. Amr Rabbi Zeyra says, If the first statement of Rabbi Chia is correct, so then the shepherd will have to swear about the rest in order to be believed that he never took the rest. 
says, If Rabbi Chi is correct, he will swear. This shepherd is a thief. And a thief is not believed to swear. The court can't believe him. And Rashi explains, When do we believe a person? Only in regards to a milva, alone. Because then we could say, Well, this person is not evil. He's not trying to steal anything. He's just trying to get out of it because right now he doesn't have the money, but he plans to pay back later. Such a person can believe if he swears. But a person who's outright, he's a gazan, he's a thief, so we can't trust him with a swear. So Abayah is saying, How can we trust him? We know for sure that he stole. Amar Leis, or Bizir responds and says, I didn't mean that the shepherd himself should swear, but rather the claimant should swear and be able to take back his animals. Now it's important that we understand normally, so from the Torah, we only find that there's a concept of swearing and retaining something. So normally the swear is incumbent upon the person who has the object or the money, whatever it is, it's incumbent upon him to swear and he gets to keep it if he indeed swears. However, the sages instituted that if for some reason the person who has the object right now cannot swear, for instance in our case, where he's a thief, he's not believed by the courts, so then the person who's making the claim, in such a case he can swear and take. Now the Gemara asks, Hashdanami, now too, the lesser Rabbichia, even if we don't hold like Rabbichia, Nichaimi the Rav Nachman. We should create an obligation to swear based on Rav Nachman's statement, Ditnan. We learned that in Mishnah Manali, Biyatcha. If one person claims against another person, you have a hundred dollars of mine, Inacha Biyadi Pater. If there's complete denial, there's no obligation to swear. V'amar of Nachman, Rav Nachman says, however, The sages instituted another type of swear, where since, and this is how Rashi explains, since a person is making a claim against another person, people don't just make up claims unless they really have that money. So therefore, in order for the person who's being claimed against to get out of the claim, the sages instituted that you have to swear in order to not have to pay anything. So now, that being the case, even without Rabbi Chia, even if no witnesses came along, a person would have an obligation to swear. So in our case as well, the shepherd should have an obligation to swear, even without Rabbi Chia's idea that when two witnesses come, it creates an obligation to swear. Forget about that. Even without that, because of Rav Nachman, from the sages, we would have an obligation to swear, and therefore we would bring the swear upon the person who's claiming against him and make him swear. So the Gemara says, no, without Rabbi Chia, we would never have gotten to an obligation on the claimant to swear. Why? The Rav Nachman Takanti, because the concept of Rav Nachman, that he makes the person swear when he just completely denies, that's only from the sages. We turn to Hayam Abayz, page 5b. So the first stage, where the person who's being claimed against would have to swear, which he can't do in this case, the shepherd can't do it because he's a liar. So if he theoretically would have sworn, that itself would have been an enactment of the sages. Right, so now to say that we make an enactment on the enactment to now make the person who's claiming against him to swear so that we would never do because we have a concept that the sages never enacted an enactment upon their own enactments. They only enacted enactments in order to protect the Torah. Something from the Torah, you have a de'oraisa, normally a person would have to swear if he's believed. So the sages instituted that the person who's claiming against him will have to swear. So that's an enactment upon something from the Torah. But to say an enactment on the enactment, that we don't do. Now the Gemara challenges a point that Abai had said. He had said that once we see that this guy is stealing, so we can't believe him anymore with a swear. The Gemara says, just the fact that he's a shepherd, we shouldn't believe him. That generally speaking, shepherds are not permitted to bear testimony in court, nor to swear in court. And the reason is because shepherds, they take their animals to graze on lands that don't belong to them. Therefore, they're considered that they're stealing. So therefore, even without us knowing that he stole these animals, he should be possible, he should be invalid for making a swear. What was Abai saying? Gemara says, 
Kasha. It's not a problem. Because it depends if he's grazing his own animals or he's grazing other people's animals. Because as Rashi explains, when he's grazing his own animals, so he has his own self-interest at heart, and he'll allow the animals to graze on other people's lands. He, he might even go so far as to steal. However, when he's grazing other people's animals, so as we're going to see, a person doesn't do a sin unless he stands to benefit from him. Because if you don't say this, the Gemara says, how can we ever give over animals to a shepherd? The verse says, that it's not permitted to place a stumbling block in front of someone who's blind. And this verse teaches us that it's not permitted to place someone in a position, in a predicament, where he'll for sure sin. So how could it be? In fact, when we give him our animals, we don't have to be concerned that he's going to graze these animals on lands that don't belong to him. Because we have a chazak, we have a legal precedent that a person does not sin unless he himself stands to benefit from it. So therefore, when he takes his own animals out to pasture, so he might graze them on other people's lands to save himself money. But other people's animals, he won't take them and bring them to places that they're going to graze on other people's lands. So that's why Abai had said that the only reason that he's not going to be able to swear is because we know for sure that he's stolen. Now the Gemara continues with the quote from the Mishnah, We said in the Mishnah that each one swears that he doesn't have less than half. Now we're going to try to understand why he swears in this way. Does he swear about what he has, or does he swear about what he doesn't have? Meaning we have two options. We could have him swear and say, I swear that I have half of it. Or we could have him swear, I don't have less than half of it. Now Rashi points out that when a person says that he swears that he doesn't have less than half, so that could imply two different possibilities. It could imply that he has at least one half, or it could also imply when he says, I don't have less than half, it could also mean he doesn't have anything. He doesn't even have less than half. And if that's the case, so a person could absolutely have nothing, and he could say, I'm swearing that I don't have less than half, and it would be true. So what's the understanding? Amar Rafuna, so Rafuna explains like this, The first thing he has to swear is that he has some portion in it. And then he also swears that he doesn't have anything less than half. So this way we know that he means that he has at least half, and he's not saying that he doesn't have anything. So now the Gemara says, Why doesn't he just swear that it's completely his, like he originally claimed? So the Gemara says, We're not giving him the entire thing. So if he's going to say a swear that it does not jive with what the court is going to do in the end, it's going to look bad for the courts. So that's why he says he swears that he has at least half. So why doesn't he swear that half of it is his? So The reason he doesn't say it that way is because it looks bad for his original statement. Originally he said that it's completely his. So if he would now go and swear that it's only half his, so that would contradict his original statement. It would look bad for him. So therefore we say something which includes both things. Gumar says, hold on a second. Here too he's going to weaken his original statement because he originally said it's completely his. Now he's saying it's at least half mine. That's not consistent with his original statement. So Gumar answers, The first thing he says is, it's completely mine. And according to you, according to what you, the court, are saying, I swear that I have some portion in it, and I don't have less than half. So thus he doesn't contradict his original statement, but rather he makes it clear that the reason that he's saying he has at least half is because the court has required him to say thus. Now the Gemara challenges, What do we need to swear for? We see right in front of us that they're both each holding half. So let them each take the portion that they're holding. What do we need to swear about this? The truth is that you don't have to swear. However, the sages enacted this swear, Because theoretically, anyone can go and grab his friend's garment and say, this is mine, and he'll end up splitting it. So in order to prevent people from doing that, so we said, that you have to swear in order to be able to get anything. And this will discourage people from indiscriminately taking advantage of the rules. 
So the Gemara says, V'nei m'amigu d'chashidam amayna chashidam yashvu asa. According to Rabbi Yechanan, the whole reason that we make him swear is because we assume that perhaps people are going to grab other people's things indiscriminately, as we said. So if we don't trust him in that regard, we think he's going to steal something, how can we trust him to swear? So the Gemara says, no. So we don't assume that if someone's going to steal, they'll also swear falsely. And as Rashi explains, because people, they would sooner steal something than they would swear falsely. Swearing falsely is something that's very chamur. It's a very stringent concept. So people wouldn't do that. And we know that this is true because if it wouldn't be true, this is the Torah says, that when someone admits the part of a claim, so he has to swear, why wouldn't we say that since he's suspected about monetary matters, so we should also suspect him in regards to a swear? So clearly from the fact that we allow him to swear, that shows that a person regards a swear with much more reverence. And therefore, if a person would take something that doesn't belong to him, he still wouldn't swear that he hadn't done anything wrong. So Gmar says, hold on, how can you prove anything from the fact that the Torah allows a swear? Over there we could very well say, in a case where, let's say, uh, Ruvain comes to Shimon and says, I want back the object that I gave you to watch. So, so when Shimon responds and says, I don't know what you're talking about, you never gave me anything to watch. We could understand that the reason why he's saying that, we can allow him to swear, we can trust him to swear because he's just trying to get away from him for a little while because let's say something happened to the object it got stolen it got broken and he doesn't have the wherewithal he doesn't have the money to pay for it right now so he's just trying to get away from him so that's why we would say we would believe him with a swear because he's not intrinsically a bad person but over here in our case so he's trying to grab it away so you can't prove anything to our case I'll prove it to you that what I just said is true. The Amar of Idibar Avin Amar of Chizda, because Rav Idibar Avin said the name of Chizda. Hakafim b'Milva Kasher Leedus. Someone who denies that he owes money, so he's still going to be permitted to testify in court. He's not considered an evil person, and the reason is because because we assume that he would like to pay back the money. However, he just doesn't have it right now, so he's just trying to push the guy away so they can get the money and, and come back later and pay him. However, Bikadon Pasul Edus. But if someone denies that he has an object that he was supposed to be watching, so then he will be invalidated from testifying in a different case because this person has no excuse why he's not bringing back the item itself. So we see that there's a distinction between a case where a person has an excuse and when he doesn't have an excuse. So the Gemara says, hold on a second. Elahadut honey, Rami Barchama. This that Rami Barchama had the following brayza. Our b'shem tzrichin kfir b'mixes v'aydavim mixes. There are four different guardians who they need to deny partially and admit partially. Like, right, like we said, the cases where you have the claimant that's coming and claiming that he gave this person three animals to watch. So he's denying one animal, he's admitting to one animal, and on the third animal he's saying that there's no obligation because he has some tour some way out. The four different types of guardians are someone who's watching it without getting paid, someone who's borrowing it, someone who's getting paid to watch it, and someone who's renting it. So over there, the Gemara says, So why don't we say that since we don't trust him in regards to the money itself, we shouldn't trust him in regards to a swear either. And that's talking about a case of a pikadon, an object that was given to him. So Gemara says, There also we have an excuse for him. It could be he's trying to get out of it. He thinks to himself, I'm going to find the guy who stole it from me. I'm going to grab him and get the thing back. Another possibility is he said to himself, the animal that I lost, maybe I'll find it where it's lost out there in the swamp and I'll bring it back to the guy so that's why he's pushing him off but he's not doing it because he wants to steal the animal the Gemara says, Ihachi, if so, we said in a case where someone denies that he was given an object, why is it that he's invalidated from being a witness in a different case? Why don't we say that he's trying to get out of it? He figures to himself, he lost this thing, and, and he's going to look for it, he's going to find it. 
So the answer is key. I mean, when do we say that if someone denies that he has the object, that he's no longer going to be kosher to testify? We have witnesses who came and testified about him. That at that time, the object was in his house. It's clear that he stole it. And he knew about it. Another possibility, it was in his hands. So therefore, it's clear that he's trying to steal it. Therefore, he's considered evil. He's not going to be allowed to testify in a different case. So the Gemara says, This that Rav Huna says, and Rashi explains that the case that Rav Huna is speaking about is where a person gives something to someone else to watch. Reuven, let's say, gave, gave an animal to Shimon to watch. And now Reuven says, where's my animal? Shimon says, you know, I don't have it anymore, but I'll pay you back for the animal. So in such a case, Rav Huna says, We make the guy swear that it's not in his possession. The animal is not there. And Rashi says, because we're afraid that perhaps he wants to keep the animal so he says to himself I'm just going to pay for it so we make him swear to that why don't we say that since we don't trust him in regards to the money we think that he's trying to steal the animal so we also can't trust him with a swear there too he's not someone who's bad he's not trying to steal he says to himself he rationalizes and says you know I'm giving the guy money so I'm not really doing anything wrong and therefore we can't trust him in regards to the swear we're not afraid that he's going to swear falsely so Rav Acha from Difti asks the following question to Ravina. Okay, the guy in his mind doesn't think that he's transgressing the prohibition of stealing because he figures he's paying. But he's definitely transgressing the prohibition of not desiring something that, some, that belongs to someone else. So that being the case, we shouldn't trust him to swear. Clearly, he doesn't mind to transgress prohibitions. The Gemara says no. When people think about the prohibition of not desiring something of someone else's, they don't think that they've transgressed it if they're paying for the thing that they're taking. So therefore, he doesn't see himself to be someone that's doing something wrong, and therefore he would not swear falsely.